Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, this is the This Glorious Mess Toddler Handbook, your guide to the highs and lows of the toddler years. I'm Tegan Natoli. I'm a business owner, co-host of This Glorious Mess, and I had three babies in 13 months, meaning currently my husband and I are outnumbered by toddlers. That is, of course, when he's not acting like one himself. But this is the last toddler handbook episode, and I've loved speaking to so many amazing people about our little humans. Today, it's the worst part about having a toddler. We're talking tantrums. Well, this topic speaks to my soul because I am in the thick of this with my three-and-a-half-year-old son, Banjo. My twin girls were always a bit less tantrum-y and a bit more, you know, I didn't get my way whingy cryy. But goodness me, my son pulls out all the stops from talking back, running away, screaming, crying, and sometimes hitting and throwing. One thing I'm really challenged by in regards to toddler tantrums is not taking the behaviour personally and also not reacting to their tantrums. And the other aspect I struggle with is where the line is between managing their big feelings but also maintaining boundaries. My gosh, there's so much to think about. So I'm very excited to be speaking today with Dr. Justin Coulson. He hosts Happy Families podcast, is a psychologist, and more importantly, is a dad of six kids. So he joins us now to shed some light on toddler tantrums. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to jump right into the first question. Why do tantrums happen? (laughs) There are so many reasons for this. And we can start with the really obvious and basic stuff. Like I've got an acronym that shows why none of us are ever at our best, whether we're big or little. And that acronym is what a German policeman says when he tells you to stop. H-A-L-T, halt. Let's add an S on the end though. The German police officer halts you, hungry, (laughs) angry, lonely, tired, and stressed. They're the big five reasons, right? So if you're hungry, you know what you're like, Tegan, when you're hungry. (laughs) Hey, how do you know what I'm like? (laughs) That's exactly right. I'm very, very not nice to be around, let's just say. And our children are exactly the same, especially when they're little. (laughs) Angry, obviously, that kind of goes without saying. But lonely is a really important one here because sometimes our kids, lonely is kind of another word for feeling disconnected. So when you're connected with somebody, you feel seen and heard and valued. When our little ones don't feel seen, heard and valued, they feel disconnected. That is, they feel lonely. They feel like they're Mm. completely isolated. T for tired is an obvious one and stressed. All kinds of things can stress them out. So these, to me, are our five main triggers. But Mm. at a deeper level, there's a couple of psychological things that I have to say that will help parents to get what's going on with their kids and these big tantrums and why they're happening so much more. 
One thing that we know about our little people and their big feelings is that they've got limited capacity for emotional regulation. Emotional regulation is one of those things that develops over time and it starts developing around about two, two and a half at a very, very minimal level. And by the time our kids are in their threes, they're starting to realize that, oh, I can control my emotions a bit, but usually they choose not to or they, <laughs> or they turn it up for some extra attention. <laughs> but from about the age of seven or eight, they start to get a handle on it. By nine or 10, they're usually pretty good. I mean, I know, Tegan, right now you're thinking, I know some adults that are lousy at regulating their emotions, but <laughs> we're pretty good at regulating our emotions by the time we're in our early tween years. That's where sure. the science has sort of landed for basic emotional regulation. If you're no good at controlling your emotions, at regulating and managing and leading yourself through those emotions, you know that your behavior follows your emotion, right? So out of control emotion typically leads to out of control behavior. And this is why our kids are having these massive tantrums. No emotional regulation capacity, no behavioral regulation capacity. And it's one of those things that just has to take time to grow. We see this cross-culturally. It's not just in Western society that our two and three and four and five-year-olds are having these big blow-ups. But there's one more critical thing that psychologists call theory of mind. You might call it perspective taking. It's the ability to get that the other person sees things differently to you. And researchers seem to think that this thing, until recently, we thought it kicked in around about five years of age, four and a half, five, five and a half. But recent research suggests that it also develops on a continuum and it may take several years beyond that before it's really working. So if you're a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a two-year-old and you're at the park with your parents and you haven't had much to eat because you've had a big day at kindy or preschool and you're kind of a little bit exhausted, but right now you're in the moment, you're having all of this fun and the big bad mum, the big bad dad, the big bad parent, caregiver, whoever it is, walks over and says, all right, kiddo, time to go. Because you don't have theory of mind, that is, in your mind, this is where you want to be. How could anyone want anything other than that for you? And you've got limited emotional regulation capacity and even less behavioral regulation capacity and you're hungry and you're tired <laughs> and you're feeling stressed out because someone's told you something that you don't want to hear, you know what's going to happen. I mean, it's guaranteed. Kaboom, there go the big yeah. emotions. I know uh, that's a long answer to a very short question, but these are the reasons that our kids do this and it's developmentally appropriate, terribly inconvenient, but <laughs> totally appropriate. I love that. That's actually really, really insightful. So you were talking about how our toddlers may not have the greatest self-regulation skills, but what can we do? How should we handle it and how should we help them handle it? Well, that's the critical thing. We've got to be able to manage ourselves. It's so funny. And I say funny as in ironic and also comical when you're not in the situation. And I'm saying this in a totally non-judgmental way, I promise. But it's so funny to watch a parent who's saying, would you just calm down? And they're, yeah. they're so not calm, right? Oh, well, I actually just mentioned earlier that one of the things I struggle with most when my children have tantrums is the way I react to their tantrum. Like, you know, of course you instantly almost take their behavior personally, but that's where I need to kind of check in with myself and be like, this tantrum actually has nothing to do with me. It's his big feelings or her big feelings. And that's a critical thing to be able to create what you're describing is psychological distance mm. is such a powerful strategy. And we can talk about that in a sec. I think it's probably worth highlighting what not to do. Mm, great. Because emotions are contagious. And just like we can catch our kids cranky and our kids chaos 
and our kids crazy, they can also catch ours. Yeah. But if that is true, that means that if we can be calm, they can catch our calm. And right now, their children behaving like children, their toddlers behaving like toddlers, our job is not to behave like a toddler. Our job is to behave like an adult, which is so hard. So those words that we often say, calm down, stop it, be quiet, they don't work because when somebody's already dysregulated, whether they're two or 52, you know that they're going to go in the opposite direction to what you've told them to. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I hear parents say often to their kids as they start to tantrum or lose it is they'll say, use your words. And this is not helpful either. I know we've all said it, me included. What happens is with the part of the brain that's firing during this tantrum, there's a whole lot of blood and a whole lot of neurotransmitters, a whole lot of signals happening in what we call the limbic system. But the part of the brain that looks after your words, it's just above your left ear. It's called the left temporoparietal lobe. And there's no blood flow there. There's no neurotransmitters going off there, which means that if we say use your words, your child actually can't use their words. Maybe you've been so upset, Tegan. I mean, I don't know if you're the kind of person who gets that upset, but have you ever been so mad that you've looked at the person you're trying to communicate with and said, I'm so angry right now, I don't even know what to say? (laughs) Yeah, to my husband nearly every second day. (laughs) That's because all of the blood's left that part of your brain, right? It's just not there anymore. (laughs) So the blood disappears from there. So what do we do instead? I think the first thing that we've got to do is remember to stay level and balanced. When you see paramedics heading to a crash site, you don't ever see them run. They're always walking. They might walk quickly, but they always walk. Why? Because it helps them to stay level and balanced. Our job as parents is to be like the paramedic. We want to show up to the crisis and have our head on. Once we've done that, the best thing that we can do is, number one, make sure that our child is not at risk of hurting themselves, someone else, or something else. And if they are, we have an obligation, we have a responsibility to move our child away from whatever could cause harm because we don't want them to wreck things and we don't want to have them hurt another person or themselves. Mm. At that point, though, you can't get logical with somebody who's really emotional. Has your husband ever tried to logic you out of your emotions? No, I try and logic him out of his emotions. (laughs) But you know what? I am the walk away from an argument type of person and we'll deal with it once everything's calmed down. So that seems to work for me. Critical because high emotions means low intelligence. The higher your emotions are, the less likely it is that you're going to think clearly and rationally. You might believe that you're thinking clearly and rationally, but you've probably been in that situation where everything seemed clear and rational until you're emotions calmed down and your intelligence came back and you were like, oh, did I really say that? It made so much sense in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So our job is to, number one, protect our kids. Number two, make sure that we're level and balanced and let them have the emotion, let them have the tantrum. There's no point trying to stop it. We can help them to be calm by offering our hugs, offering our reassurance, offering kindness. But quite often, once they're that elevated, there's nothing to do but let it take its course. The big emotion, the tantrum is kind of like a train going through a tunnel. And Tegan, you know when a train is going through a tunnel, it can get really noisy in those tunnels. It can get really dark in those tunnels. And those tunnels can go really deep, just like emotions, noisy, dark, and deep. But what we often do as a parent when a child's having a tantrum is we feel like we have to get out all of the heavy earth-moving equipment and dig a hole through the top of the mountain and rip that train out the top, which just Mm. makes a massive mess. Mm. It's so much more effective 
to let the train pass through the tunnel because once the train comes out the other side, it's no longer noisy, it's no longer dark, it's no longer deep. And then we can give our little kiddo a great big hug and say, you were so upset before, weren't you? Mm. And we can go through a coaching process with them, a gentle emotion coaching process where we say, why don't you tell me why you were so upset? What do you think we can do about it next time? Great. Well, that actually was my next question. So, you know, obviously you just said, let the tantrum ride out. And then how deep do we go into discussion about what just happened with our toddler? You know, the emotional coaching, how deep do we go into that in terms of reflecting upon it, have a little chat about it and then move on or, you know, set some new boundaries or talk about expectations moving forward? What should the aftermath of a tantrum look like? It depends on how old your child is. It depends on how big the tantrum was and what it was actually about. So many things, we make a big deal about them and we don't need to. Yeah. As a dad of six kids, I've kind of learned and I make a much bigger deal about some things than I used to and I completely don't worry about other things at all that I once would have made a big deal about. Mm -hmm. In simple terms, don't have the conversation too soon because your child's going to get defensive. They're going to do that thing where they cross their arms across their chest and then they look at you and say, "Mm," (laughs) because they don't want to have the conversation. They're feeling defensive. They're feeling uptight about it. We've got to make sure we choose our time right. It might not even be today. It might be tomorrow or the day after or on the weekend or whatever. And at the right time, we sit down with them and say, hey, you know what happened earlier or the other day or last week when this stuff was going on? And that's when we work out how deep to go. I think the big questions here, Tegan, are we want our children to learn perspective and empathy. So we might say, how did it make you feel? How did it make the people around you feel? How did it make Mm. your siblings feel or mom feel or whatever? And then we say, what do we want our family to feel like? What could we do differently next time? The answers are actually inside our kids. We've just got to make sure that they feel psychologically safe enough to have the conversation with us without fear of getting in trouble, having something taken off them, getting stuck into their room, having some kind of punishment administered. It's got to be a safe environment so that they're willing to problem solve and work on solutions with us. Yeah, great tips. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. In regards to emotional coaching, is that something that we can utilise to prevent a tantrum, to let it not get to the point of a tantrum? When we look at the research around this, it says yes, but it's one of those skills that requires an enormous amount of practice. Mm. And most parents will struggle to do it. If you can get in early enough, if you can see your child getting upset and say, wow, it looks like things are starting to go a little bit funny right now. It's (laughs) hard sometimes. If you can get in early enough and do the labeling the emotion and that kind of stuff, by all means. But bear in mind, if you've got a kid who's got ADHD or is on the autism spectrum, sure. in fact, even if you've got a child who's becoming emotionally elevated and they don't have any additional needs, Mm. sometimes our words, even if they're meant to be supportive and encouraging and gentle, sometimes they're really highly stimulating. 
when we stimulate by adding all of these extra words to what is already an elevated or elevating scenario, they can sometimes become explosive. So sometimes mm. it's better to just give them a touch, a squeeze, walk past, give them a hug, give them a smile, let them know that you love them and just keep it quiet. It's yeah. one of those things as a parent, it's so hard to know when to step in and how to step in and what to say. Yes, there's so many layers, isn't there? Well, thank you so much, Dr. Coulson. We'll link to the Happy Families website and podcast in our show notes. And we'll also add some information about their upcoming Little People Big Feelings Summit. And hopefully chat to you again soon. Hey, Tegan, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for the This Glorious Mess Toddler Handbook. We have loved having you for the last few weeks. And thank you to all our experts for joining us. For more parenting content, come and join us over at This Glorious Mess. See you there.